Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Call it my dog walker. What do you mean? Because I'm walking the dog, you know. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Me and the dog, we're out walking. Uh huh. And the aircraft is perfect for like that trip around the block. How many aircraft hits per block trip? Because I know it vibrates every one, one second, second, right? Uh-huh. And that gets you like two MGs about of yep. vape. So how many MGs are you getting on that dog walk? If it's a walk around the corner, late night pee, um, where I take, I cross no streets. I just take all lefts. So I go around the block without having to, you know, subject Archie Moon to any traffic because he gets so stressed out. Mm-hmm. It's one per corner. <laughs> one so hit a, per corner. So it's about an eight... <laughs> Eight milligram vape uh-huh. night walk. Right before bed. That's perfect. Puts me right in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Which flavor is I, your go-to? Mine, I'll just say mine because I don't have a dog, so mine's not nearly as interesting, <laughs> is probably like the blue dream, the blue dream from Flav. Uh-huh. That's my go-to. I'm Right now, I've got the GMO cookies from Apex Extracts in my pen. So you have, uh, you have dessert. Yeah. <laughs> and then I come home and I have a must-love bananas and I eat my edible and I go to bed. <laughs> wow. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyone who's interested in checking out Airgraft, it's it's a new tech basically uh, that's kind of taken like the tabletop vape experience and turned it into this cool stealthy device. And they're awesome. You can go to airgraft.com and you sign up for membership there and that gives you um, unlimited access to their whole library of pods. They're awesome. They're awesome. I love it. And I, I, I like that most pods you get you don't get all the pod all you don't the get juice. the whole pod yeah. yeah like yeah there's a little bit of juice in the bottom you got to tap into your mouth well, but you can't those, get like, it all with the the older vape cards a lot of them will heat up unevenly and they'll like waste some of the oil but these they figured out this new tech so you actually get 30 percent more per gram cartridge which means that you on a full Let's say you did a marathon with Archie. Okay. You would get a hundred percent pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Aircraft. Take it on a marathon. Yeah, but don't take Archie on a marathon because he is slow. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. A dog marathon where it's like, and biscuits and Trina take the lead. And then they stop to look at a squirrel and smell something, and the whole thing takes weeks to finish. It's so funny. My friend Kate is a runner and her dog Pearl runs with her. And one time Archie and I were staying over, and she was like, Do you think Archie would want to go for a run? And he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the dog marathon is really making me laugh. It feels like a family guy cutaway. They're like, and now the dog marathon. Totally. And then the gun goes off and then they all just start smelling and licking and sitting and dragging and howling. Yeah. Or, well, there are the few dogs who really do want to run like the Whippets and the Greyhounds and the German Shepherds and like the big dogs who are ready to go, the Huskies. Yeah. And then over here we have like uh, Amber, who we just met at your parents' house, who was the most hilarious dog. She, her eyes were like bulging out of her head. She was a Shih Tzu. 10 years old. The snuggliest little sweetie pie, except I picked her up and then your mom turned around and she was like, I can't believe she let you pick her up because evidently she had just bitten your dad for trying to do the same thing. Right. And like drew blood. So not you though. Not me. Amber trusted you. She did. Yeah. Airgraph.com. <laughs> nice tying it all up there. <laughs> well, St. Louis was rad. Yeah. We had, I mean, listen, my first time to your hometown. Yeah. It's cool. You do like St. Louis. I had the best fucking time. We did so much cool stuff. 
checked a lot of boxes. Yeah, we went to Longmere Sculpture Park and mm-hmm. saw a big deer. And a giant eyeball. And a giant eyeball. And some really cool, like, there was, like, this kid's playground part where there was this thing called Whisker the Worm mm-hmm. and these, like, rideable sculptures. And I just thought it was so nice and it was be- much better done than any park that I had when I was a kid. That's cool. Well, it's also low-key because I am the king of the mullet hang. Yes. So it's business in front, party in the back, and that's uh-huh. the only way I can hang out with people. Part of the in- intention of coming to St. Louis was because we did write a pilot script for about two podcasters in St. Louis. And that's so right. you also got to see all of the sites and scenes and locations from our script for the first time. The Show Me Show, which we will get made someday. It's such a fun pilot. And yeah, it was awesome to go to like the store that you thought my character should work at. Sunshine Daydream. And I looked inside and I was like, oh yeah, I fucking get it. That's a store that sells incense and like weird CBD pods and, you know, candles with weird effects names on them and stuff. You're only being 80% honest because the thing that you also said was that is definitely a store you steal from. I did. It it totally looked like that store that as a teenager, I would would walk in with my fingers just itching to steal something I didn't steal I did shoplift one time when I was a teenager and I got caught and I was brought home by the police oh and shit. that cured me of ever wanting to shoplift again and I don't think anyone should ever shoplift but I understand the impulse when you're a teenager and you go in with itchy fingers because everything's like just little tchotchkes and like the incense that that patchouli smell and everything like it just made me think of all of those stores that yeah, as a teen, I would go in and just want to put everything in my pocket. Man, I get that. Okay, so we went to the sculpture park in St. Louis. Uh-huh. We walked by Sunshine Daydream, which is the place you work in our script. Mm-hmm. And you tried Emo's Pizza for the first time, which is where I cooked pizzas in their kitchen all through high school to make money to afford my life. What did you think of Emo's Pizza, the thin crust square beyond compare? Emo's Pizza is the absolute bomb. I loved it. I had such a good experience walking into the store from just from the moment we walked in. Like everyone there was just, I don't know, having a great night. I think they were all stoned as fuck. I think so too. (laughs) That's like a requirement to work there. Like the drug test has to come back very full of THC. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you worked there, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, to the gills. To the gills. Um, And it was so nice. And I think the gal behind the counter could just tell that it was my first time in an emos. And she asked me where I was from. And I was like, I'm Canadian, actually. And she was like, okay. And she went in the back and she got me toasted ravioli on the house. It was so cool. I felt so welcomed and embraced and appreciated. I felt comfortable and appreciated, which I've learned from Love on the Spectrum is all anyone needs. I want to be brave and grateful and I want to feel appreciated and comfortable. That's right. Yeah. Um, And then Provel cheese, which uh, we did a little bit of research on. So Provel is a very St. Louis-centric cheese that doesn't exist anywhere else. And I'm actually incorrect. It's a cheese product you can't actually say cheese because the fda said there's too many chemicals in here for you to be allowed to call it cheese it's a cheese product it's processed as hell yeah and it is uh it's all over the shelves of grocery stores Mm -hmm. what did you think of that cheese uh it's not cheese product (laughs) (laughs) it's a mix of swiss mozzarella and provel loan provolone and it's called provel yes um you know, I have an affinity for like processed foods sometimes. They just, sometimes it's what you want. Sometimes it tastes real good. Completely agree. American cheese melted on a burger. Yeah. All day, every day. Yeah. It's it's that snobbery nonsense that gets in the way of some of the most delicious chemicals you can ingest. <laughs> for sure. You know? And definitely on that pizza, it was absolutely perfect. We got a pie with 
uh, sausage and pepperoni. We had half the first night and then half the second night. And it was just as good both times. Yes. And it kept very well because that cheese doesn't go bad, I guess. It won't go bad. (laughs) It will always be melted and it'll never go bad. The other part about Emo's I want to shout out, besides topping distribution, which was even beautiful, perfect, and succinct. Yep. Their bacon, if you get bacon on the pizza, it's whole strips that then they run the pizza cutter through whole strips of bacon. So you get big chunks instead of those like little crumbles all over. They only go whole hog on you. Fantabulous. I love the way that they run that cutter through. So every piece is a little square. Like it's a round pie, Mm -hmm. but it's cut into little squares and then the occasional little triangle. And it was just so pleasing to pick up a small piece and be like, ah, it's okay. I'm just having a bite. Yeah. And then I had 18 of those pieces. Right. But but those only equal three piece pieces. Right. So it's way more satisfying. Very reasonable. Just like our guest today. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, then after celebrating with emos on one end of the dining spectrum, we both ate an edible and then celebrated my parents' 40th anniversary. Shout out Wendy and Steve. Shout out Wendy and Steve. Happy 40 years. And Chef Kyle Parks cooked a eight-course meal for us at my family's home. It was around the world in theme. So we went all over the place. We went to Italy and the UK. I was really uh, amazed by his American course because it was like a Florida grapefruit citrus sorbet. Yeah. Which I thought was so clever. I mean, when you think of American, you definitely, that's not where my brain goes. My brain goes fried. Yeah. Or apple pie. Or apple pie. Right, and yeah. it was just so. It was uh, like an intermezzo. It was sort of like to refresh our palates after I think the th- first three courses. Yep. Before we got into the heavier stuff, fantastic. Fantastic, and the the layout of dishes from like light with that beautiful consomme and a goat uh, with feta. Uh, I'll have to look, but it was like, uh, man, I'm going to blank. It was on like it. little duck ravioli Thank and a you. light consomme. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Was... Apologies. Thank you for picking up the slack because like <laughs> that, that was so light and refreshing and mm-hmm. to get heavier and heavier as the courses went on until we're hitting like French food. Yeah. Ooh, it that was, was crazy. And your dad had paired every course with a special wine from around the world. So we had, uh, we started off with a Spanish white and then we had a very beautiful German Riesling and then a California. California Chardonnay. And I'm not normally a fan of California Shards, but that Rombauer was like super tasty. It's like drinking movie theater popcorn butter, but in a crisp, <laughs> refreshing way. I don't know if that's fair, but that's how it is. I was a little embarrassed when your dad was like, should I open the second bottle? And before like anyone else said anything, I was like, yes. And then he was like, <laughs> he was like, are you sure? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be rude. I am a guest in your home, but please, please do open it. Thank you. <laughs> but, but open that shit, yeah, dude. Open it up. <laughs> yeah. When you said open that shit, man, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> wow. I also want to shout out Chef Kyle Parks because not only did he turn my family's kitchen into a place to create eight courses for six people in a timely manner where that food all rolled out in a consistent, beautiful way. Yeah. Um, But also it was with his fiance. Yes. And that's very exciting too. So shout out to supporting small family businesses. That's right. And I also want to shout out him because the next night he was doing this huge Cajun banquet with an all new type of cuisine. Like he made chicken tikka for us. And the next night he's making things like beignets. He can do anything. So if you're in St. Louis... And you are looking for any type of event to be catered by the creme de la creme, the cream of the cream. Chef Kyle Parks is it. Nice. Yeah. 
And what I don't know what that fish was, but it was delicious. Oh, it was a red snapper. A red snapper. That was his version of fish and chips. It was so great. It was like these beautiful little roasted sort of potatoes instead of French fries, but they were cut like fries. That's right. And, and then, then a garlic aioli sauce underneath yes, it. Yes, and a beautifully cooked red snapper. Yeah, Ted Allen would be like, whoa, that skin is perfectly crisp. It was delicious. Do you get that reference from Chopped? I've never seen Chopped. Don't ever see it. You're going to be the only one in the world, Mary Jane. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's not that I've never seen it. I feel like I've caught bits and pieces, but I've never followed it. I didn't, I've never really gotten into that particular show. You don't like food competitions unless they're fun and light. I love Nailed It, and I love The Great British Baking Show, but I get very stressed out by most of the competition shows out there. It's weird how in America it, we can take anything and turn it into feeling like two people using a gun. Yeah. Yeah. I just get panicky. I watched an episode of Beat Bobby Flay the other day, and the guy actually beat Bobby Flay, and I was so worried. I was like, oh God, how's this going to go? <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's just a friendly competition. Then Bobby, ba- Bobby Flay buys his entire property and throws yeah. him out on the street No. <laughs> up his own fish and chip cart because he's like fuck you that's my show i was just so nervous like i don't like seeing bobby flay get fucking judged by who are these people who dare who are you to sit in judgment on this man and Mm -hmm. also this poor motherfucker who's going up against bobby flay i just feel real weird for him or her too yeah so i don't know i just get stressed out I'm a low anxiety TV watcher. That's what's up. You know? Yep. I just watch stuff that makes me feel comfortable and appreciated. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Should we get to the news? Yeah. We're both on the same page. Yeah. It's time because we got to get to our very reasonable, very fabulous guest. I love it. (laughs) So our news is brought to you by OCB. The Greble Gazette is presented by OCB Rolling Papers, the largest rolling paper brand in the world, crafted naturally since 1918. OCB offers a full line of plant-to-puff papers made with sustainable fibers farmed from within a 500-kilometer radius of their facility in France, which is powered by 100% green energy. In 2020, OCB rolled out America's first ultra-thin, slow-burning bamboo rolling paper and cone. They're even burning, no-tear, GMO-free, and vegan. Not all rolling papers are created equal. OCB offers a premium smoking experience. Experience that we call Harmony on High. Hit, hit, a, hit an A with me. Okay. Ah, not bad. <laughs> Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers and sample the entire line of products. Please visit OCBUSA.com and follow OCB on Instagram at OCB underscore USA. And OCB is bringing us our new story about Justin Bieber's new weed line. Let's go, That's peaches. Right. Well, we got a press release for it, so we can just read directly from that because it's... It's a pretty interesting move. So the the main thing about it that, I, that I've seen as a reaction is a lot of cannabis creators, uh, Black Cannabis Magazine posted about this. You know, I think everyone's sort of looking to Instagram and social media now to see like, okay, now you've got Justin Bieber, like arguably the biggest name to lend his uh, persona name to a cannabis product entering the game. Does that mean that you're going to stop deleting posts? Does this mean if you're going to give him space to... Uh, sell this new line, then you have to give that to everyone else who's a cannabis content creator. So it's just like an interesting thing to note and keep an eye on as we see him, you know. Because somebody just got deleted, right? Like a handful Elise. of- Elise. Elise. Fucking Elise McDonough got Elise deleted. Elise McDonough, the OG, friend of the pod, best edibles editor in the game, brand manager at one of the biggest cannabis companies currently in California, just got her Instagram fucking deleted. And her content was like- the you know the most mellow pictures of you know good weed in NorCal and like nothing nothing offensive it's just it's, the the deletion is offensive so yes anyway so just to keep an eye on that like as Justin Bieber and more and more celebs jump into the game are you going to uh, lay off the people who actually really need Instagram to be able to sell their 
their product as well. And the people who laid the groundwork for something like peaches to eat and come into growth. Right. Harvest. So the story is uh, peaches launched last Monday. Justin Bieber has loaned his name to it. It's with a company called Palms and it's peaches pre-rolls. There's seven um, half gram pre-rolls in a pack and there will be indica, sativa, and hybrid um, packs available. Each pack will come with a lighter and um, I don't think there's too much to say about the weed itself because we haven't smoked it but the initiative. Oh this isn't an ad. And the initi- no, this is our news story. The initiative that he's taking with this cannabis company is to shine a light on mental health. And we just had National Mental Health Awareness Day, and so I guess it was probably timed around that. And it's great. You know, he said that he uh, was quoted in the press release as saying that he is a fan of what this company is doing by making cannabis approachable and helping to destigmatize it, especially for the many people who find it helpful for their mental health. Um, and they are giving back. That's the other thing. They Good. are giving back to a, a group called Veterans Walk and Talk, which is a community of veterans who advocate for the outdoors and weed smoking as a form of medicine. And also our friends over at the Last Prisoner Project. Word. Yeah. So if you're in California, it's available all over the place. It's available at Netta retail stores in Massachusetts and then some places in Florida and Nevada as well. And if anyone gets a hold of it and smokes it, let us know how it is. I'd be really interested to... To see what's up with them. Absolutely. And it feels like the point of this news story for me is this isn't an attack on Justin Bieber. This isn't about peaches even per se, because we always talk about how like there's going to be more and more celebrity brands and they just have to have some key components for me to be interested and take them seriously and want to fuck with them. Mm -hmm. And that is like social equity, giving back, Mm -hmm. raising awareness, not forgetting where you come from. And they did all of this. Uh, The big issue is, all right, IG, you're a privately held company and you're just playing by whatever rules you make up as you go along. And that's not okay. If you're taking down cannabis posts for small content creators, then you better be taking down Justin Bieber's posts as well. Right. Play fair. Play fair. So yeah, that's it. I'm excited to try them when, whenever we can get them. Maybe we can uh, get some when we go to that big festival we're going to in a couple of weeks. Ah, can we talk about that thing yet? I think so. We're going to Outside Lands. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited too. We just got the news. I'm going to see Lizzo. Yeah. I am going to be so stoned and so happy. It's um, it's just everything. If you're in the San Fran area, if you're if you're on your way to Outside Lands, if you are wanting to say hey and link up with us, please do. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, amazing. Cool, cool. Buds of the week. I feel like we should get to buds of the week and introduce our guests. Okay. Um, well, I already did my bud of the week, and I will just reiterate: you can follow Chef Kyle Parks at Chef Kyle Parks. It was an incredible menu. The the freaking. Um, serving sizes were also enormous. By like course six, I was like, man, I want to keep going, but like I need to stand up and shake my body a bit to make some room. I ate every single bite and afterwards I had to go to a different room where there were no people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good testament, by the way. That's a good testament. For a few minutes, yeah. I was like, I just need some space. <laughs> Especially with that meringue and then that chocolate cake with oh the cherry God. ice cream homespun. So good. So good. It was amazing. Who's your butt of the week this week? My butt of the week is Mike Anthony, who opened for you at the Helium Comedy Club and was so fucking fantastic and fun. He is at the real Mike Jones, even though his name is Mike Anthony, (laughs) and Mike is spelled with a Y on IG. And I was just delighted to get to know him and see his comedy, and I'm excited to follow his pursuits because he's fucking funny and he's fucking cool. And we had a great time. We went out to um, have some charcuterie and some glasses of wine after your show, which felt very indulgent. It and was fabulous. awesome. And um, yeah, it was just a, a dope time. So, 
These are good buzz of the week. Follow Mike Anthony at the real Mike Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and our VIB this week, our very important bud, Andrea Gazetta. Andrea is an incredible artist and very funny person, professionally funny on occasion. She, We actually met her at the Alaska Comedy Festival. Where her and I were doing stand-up together. And I think we also did the Gateway Show. That's right. Yeah. And now she's devoting all of her time to making incredible art. She just started a Patreon and she's launching a podcast about art history. We get into all of it in our hang with her. And also we get real because she is such a like balanced person yeah i'm kind of jealous of her mind so yeah. <laughs> because she can paint better than anyone i know and she has a brain and a sensibility that says to me mike you can do better yeah totally as simple She's as that prodigiously talented incredibly nice and just all around wonderfully rounded mm-hmm. human being and i'm so glad she hung out with us so without further ado here is our interview with andrea guzetta Great. That peanut butter breath is uh, perfect. I'm right in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, it's delicious. I like it because I can't eat peanut butter, but I can't smoke it. Are you allergic to peanuts? Yeah, I swell up like a balloon. Oh, no. Yeah, I look sexy for like one minute and then I look crazy. (laughs) They put her in a CGI suit to do um, Violet on the new Timothy Chalamet Willy Wonka <laughs> they put her in a CGI green screen suit and then fed her peanut butter and filmed oh, it so that's that right. she's the blueberry in the blueberry scene you're actually doing it for art yep <laughs> wow that's talk, talk about pain in your art that's amazing let's talk about your art Hi, oh. Andrea. Thank you for coming and being on Weed and Grub. First. Oh, hello. We ha- we yes, this proper. is my first time on Weed and Grub. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I make art. It looks like a rainbow. It's really fun. I like to do a lot of like cute animals and stuff. And then sometimes I do like skulls and talk about my feelings. So... Yeah. Yes, I want to talk about all of it. And you brought us a little bun, one of your bun series. Yeah, I did a little series of bunnies wearing cute outfits. And this is a bunny wearing a mushroom outfit with a little snail on his hat. It is an Amanito Muscaria, I believe. Is that correct? The mushroom? I don't know. I looked up red mushrooms. <laughs> Hell yeah. You and me both, nerd. <laughs> I ask because it looks like the mushroom. It's like that very iconic red with white specks mushroom. And if it was an Amanita muscaria. Those are the mushrooms that grow wild that reindeer eat. And then there are shamans that drink the piss of the reindeer. <gasps> and that's like one of the old world psychedelics. What? Yes. Wow. I, I super retract that. that nerd shit that I said. <laughs> Fuck me forever. That's awesome, Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> that's so freaking cool. It's fucking um, wild. There's like a whole, uh, I mean, you can dive deep into it. Like the thinking is that perhaps the original legend of Santa Claus comes from the fact that he might have been taken from the shamans because they wear red and they actually go down the chimneys in the villages that they visit because often they're buried in snow. So the way into the house is through the chimney. What? And then they have these psychedelic experiences and that's why people think maybe reindeer fly and all this stuff. So <laughs> yeah. anyway. I love the idea that Santa Claus, like the idea of that much goodwill can only be facilitated through a psychedelic experience. <laughs> yeah. What a great point. Yeah. Just like, we don't really need all this stuff, but I'll let come bring you cute toys and shit. Like, that's awesome. Like, if you're filled with love. If you're filled with love. Yeah. yeah. I'll 
bring you a treat. Good for you. Good job. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. So then we should all put like little microdose capsules in each other's stockings this year for <laughs> like not only traditional reasons, but also yep. friendship reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I definitely always find that uh, drugs are great for children. And so we should all. <laughs> oh, I meant ours. Like oh, you, ours the three people. of us. Yeah. Not like my niece or some shit. <laughs> I was like, I think, I mean, I had a vivid imagination as a child, but I think that would have really taken it to the next level, you know? Did you, I hallucinated when I was a kid. Did you hallucinate? I had a lot of intensely vivid, like, both dreams and nightmares, and I would, like, imagine all these other worlds, and, like, I imagined, like, that unicorns were real. And I like had a lot of sort of magical thinking as a child. Um, And sometimes I would hallucinate things. It was mostly just like chairs moving or just like objects moving or objects having an energy. Or like I saw some like demons or ghosts in my house when I was a little kid. Do you believe that you saw those things and you just lose that as you become an adult and more brain wrinkles grow? Or do you believe that it is your imagination? I don't. No, but one thing I will say is the one experience I had that I'm like, it feels really real is um, when I was little, my dad used to work the night shift when he lived with us. And so as a little kid, I would wake up really, really early and go downstairs and make myself breakfast and wait for my dad to get home. Um, And one morning I was like sitting at the kitchen table and I was like, eat my cereal chilling. And I heard a voice behind me and my mom has three brothers and one of them is special needs. And so he talks in a special way. Um, and I heard his voice. And so I like was like, oh, like, why is my uncle Keith here? I wonder if like my dad went and got him. Like, I wonder what was happening. I was like really confused and I turn around and it looked like him, but I was like, but a ghost, but he wasn't dead yet. And so I was just like, what the heck? And then he like changed form into this man with brown hair. And then he started like laughing at me and I got really scared and I ran upstairs and I was like freaking out and I didn't tell my parents. But years later, after my grandmother died, my mom was like showing us family photos and she's like, this is your uncle Keith and this is your uncle Wayne and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what's this uncle? I don't remember his name, but I remember meeting him. And she's like, that's your uncle Stuart. He died before you were born. And it was that guy in my house. <laughs> I wish you can ask her to look at my goosebumps. Oh, I gave Mary Jane all the goosebumps. All, like my inner upper arm. Yeah. My whole body is like goosebumps right now. And That's, like, whew. I was like really little. So I like didn't know about any of that. But as I got older, my mom would tell me that because my uncle died right before I was born, but after my mom and dad were married. And so like, my mom said that he like really liked to play tricks on people. And after he died, he would play tricks on my dad. Like he came and like haunted our house and like hung out there and like watched over my mom. Like that's how my mom felt about it is that he would like do these tricks, but only to my dad, not to my mom. Cause he didn't like my dad and you <laughs> and me. Apparently he thought that was pretty funny. He was just <laughs> saying, Hey, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. It wasn't like, I wasn't scared because it felt bad. I was scared because I was like, what is happening? But it didn't, at no point was I like actually afraid that like this thing was going to hurt me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was really weird. And then I don't know. So maybe, maybe it goes surreal. That happened. I don't know how to explain (laughs) that otherwise. 
Wow. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there because it's, I want to talk about your artwork, but that is just, I mean, I guess it's all part and parcel of it. Like that's when you were, so you were, how old were you? Yeah. I was probably, it was before my dad left. So I must've been like four or five. Like I was really little. And then like, I didn't recognize him until my grandparents died when I was like six. So like my whole, my childhood was like a lot of traumatic events where like a lot of crazy shit happened. Um, my parents got divorced my mom's parents both died like during that divorce. So like one died right before her divorce and one died right after. And so like all these crazy things happened and then my dad went and to jail. And you're six at this time? Yeah, I was like five or five. six. Wow. Between well, five and, and six, okay. all those things happened. And mm-hmm. so it was just like one year of absolute chaos. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt that your dad went to jail. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no, it's okay. Why did he go to jail? Um, He was, what happened was, uh, my dad was an addict and he was a pharmacist at a hospital and he was stealing cocaine from the hospital and my mom was afraid that he was going to like get us taken away essentially from 100%. being an addict mm. so she was like i gotta divorce this guy he also like he got in a car accident with me because he was driving drunk and so my mom was like we can't have this like my kids are gonna die we gotta get out of here and then after that my dad started like um threatening to like kill her and so like all the time as a little kid like in the middle of the night we'd have to just like leave the house and like go stay at someone else's house and the cops would come and it was like this whole thing and like they were afraid he was going to kidnap me from school and then when we went one day like we weren't home and so he didn't know where we were but he was like on a bender and he drove to my grandparents house because my grandma was in the hospital but no one was there so he like shot a lock off the door stole my grandpa's truck and then just but like left his truck there and like just did some shit and then the cops found him like sleeping it off later and he was charged with possession of an unlicensed firearm and like i think he had marijuana on him as well and so like it's really complicated and weird because like my relationship with drugs as a child was like, these are really scary and bad and I don't want to go to jail. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was like weird because when my dad was in jail, things like chilled out. Like it was kind of nice. And so when kids are like, oh no, like your dad went to jail. I was like, no, this is the best thing that could have happened because everything was so scary before that. And now I know at least like, I, you know, I had all these nightmares about my dad like killing us and like breaking in and I'm like, six years old so it's like it was nice to just be all like oh cool no one's gonna come try to like hurt me or kill my mom or like anything like that and so he's fine now he's like great but like it's hard to I don't know (laughs) sometimes people are like I think that you know we shouldn't jail people and I'm like but sometimes we should jail people (laughs) right (laughs) but sometimes it's good for them a little bit yep um so yeah. yeah, it's my feelings about like jail and drugs are really complicated because like I think it's really bad a lot of the time, but sometimes it makes me have less nightmares. Right, lived so, experience. Lived experience, yeah. And complicated. Complicated. A complicated issue. Super complicated. Such a great reminder. I think, <laughs> you know, we bang the drum a lot on here about like people who are in prison for cannabis offenses, but Absolutely. we don't necessarily consider the other Well, and aspects. I I will say this like my dad had a lot of chances. My dad's a white person. 
He only went to jail for two years for, you know, like having an unlicensed firearm. He drove drunk all the time. He would get pulled over and he'd be like, oh, sorry, like I'm on the night shift. I'm just coming home. And so cops would be like, oh, you're a pharmacist. You work at a hospital. Like, oh, you're it's fine. Like you can just go. And so they wouldn't ticket him. So he part of the issue is that there were no consequences for him for a long time for a lot of his behaviors. And instead of seeing that as like, oh, I barely avoided this. I need to get better. He just kind of leaned into it Mm -hmm. and was like, I'm invincible. Let's keep going. And which like it is hard if you have a substance abuse problem to stop doing it and to like know where that line is because you kind of are like, I'm fine. Like I'm good at this. I'm fine. When did your feelings shift about weed? Um, I just didn't do it for a long time. So because of everything that happened when I was younger, drugs and even alcohol um, and any type of any substance that alters your mind is something that I was really wary of just because I like to be in control of my own body and I didn't want to do them with people that I didn't feel safe with. And so like safety is a big concern, like psychologically for me as a person, it's where a lot of like my anxiety comes from is like not feeling safe places. Um, And so I just didn't do weed really until I was in LA and I was like 29 and Joel Jimenez, who's like a really great comedian, um, we did a show together and he was like, oh, you want to try this? And I was like, I like all the people I'm with. I feel safe here. Like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll I'll give it a try. But he had to like show me how to, you know, it was a bowl. He had to like show me how to do it. I'd never done it before. And it was like nice. We just like got pizza and hung out. I was like, this is pretty great. Uh, What a great roadmap. Like the way to get high for the first time. Yes. I'm safe. I'm with people I like. I have someone who's going to show me how to do it. Like awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how I approach all substances is like the first time I drank alcohol was with my friend Bob. And he like, I was 21. Like I was an adult. He like took me out and was like, we will buy a drink. But like, I didn't really drink at parties before that. Again, because of the safety thing, like I like to drive myself. I wanted to be the person sort of in charge of when I don't feel safe here anymore, I can leave. Um, So a lot of that is like, I didn't really like drink that much. Like I really didn't do a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so I would feel safe doing it. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you get your art from in your family? Like your talent, I mean. Um, on my dad's side, my grandfather and my grandmother both painted. So my grandpa did, he was a surgeon and he did watercolors and then my grandma was a homemaker and she made oil paintings. But my mom is like, it like totally skipped a generation. My dad is not handy. (laughs) Uh, But my mom really loved drawing as a kid. Um, and she grew up in a place like my mom grew up on a farm and she wasn't really encouraged to even like go to college. She, all her brothers got their college education paid paid for by my grandparents but she didn't so she had to like work all through college and like what? yeah That's nuts. <laughs> so my mom wanted to be an artist but she was like I gotta make money like I can't this cannot be my life and right. so she just didn't do a lot of it but she was like artsy craftsy more where mm-hmm. she would be like I'm gonna get my hands dirty and she did all these like she would do a lot of bits like um one of her co-workers was getting married and her co-worker's uh, husband-to-be was a Packers fan. So my mom, for the like bridal shower, made a wedding veil cheese head. <laughs> so she got like the cheese head and she like sewed the wedding veil to it. Like my mom is really funny. And I would say that's where like a lot of my humor comes from is like she just does bits like that all the time. It's really hilarious. Fantastic. <laughs> so that means that 
tracking your bananas life at five years old to six years old mm-hmm. all the way. So art was like an escape then, right? Absolutely. That's because I feel like something I'm learning more and more is like kids need an escape from just like everything. But yeah. I, I feel like in certain <laughs> in certain cases, it's more than maybe more so than other kids need yeah. that escape. Um, so when I was in, when I was really little, when all that stuff was happening, mom was like, this kid needs therapy. Like, this is not, cause I literally, I probably cried when my dad left. I probably cried every single day for a year. Mm. Like I just cried all the time. I was inconsolable. My mom couldn't leave me at daycare, you know, like, and now my mom's like a single mom. She's really stressed out everywhere. She leaves me. I'm afraid she's just never going to come back. So I'm just like crying all the time. And so she's like, I got to take this kid to therapy. I don't know what to do about this. Can five-year-olds and six-year-olds talk? Um, Is that talking age? Yeah, we can totally talk. I could okay. read. I mean, like, oh, I could wow. read by the time I was five. Five yeah. and six is, like, school age. Oh, okay. Like, kindergarten. Yeah, I was in kindergarten. When so, my dad left, when my dad left, I was in kindergarten, and there were days where he was so hungover, I would try, like, I he I would make him, like, wake up to take me to school and I was like late to school sometimes and I remember really being mad about it as like a child because like my dad couldn't wake up to take me to school and I was like this is some bullshit now I'm not gonna get an attendance grade like yeah yeah. (laughs) so in therapy you started working yeah I started working with a therapist and I didn't you know like you don't have the language to be like I'm you you can't say I'm crying because I'm scared my parents won't come back like you don't know even what your fears are you just know you're afraid all the time and you can't articulate it and it's confusing too because it's like okay so like the people who love me the most and the people who are in charge of my care might also kill me and that is confusing and I don't know what to do with that information yeah um so my therapist like to get me to verbalize things and even have that vocabulary my therapist would let me like paint while I would like talk to her. And I kind of just like wouldn't really talk at all until she let me paint. And then I would answer her questions. Um, Oh shit. So it's almost like you had to distract your conscious brain to... To find the answers. To find the fucking Mm, answers. Yeah. And that's how I paint today still too, is like people will be like, what's this about? And I'm like, ask me when it's finished. Because like as you're painting, you find why you're making that painting. Like you find what the symbols mean and what it's about and like why you're drawn to these ideas and I still that's still how my brain works is like it takes me a long time to articulate my feelings about situations that are complicated or how I feel about stuff and it's been even a problem in relationships where people are like why won't you talk to me like why why you know like we're in a fight I'm like it's 10 o'clock I go to bed at 10 o'clock I can't argue past 10 o'clock and I'm like, I need to think about this. Like, I need space. And that's really hard to accept with people. But I'm like, it might take me a whole day to figure out why I'm having this reaction or why this is upsetting me or why I don't like this and articulate that to you. Yeah. And most people how, aren't cool with that. Well, how, how re- <laughs> I wouldn't. Reasonable, like, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, people want to fight and people want to sort of get into it. And I think that's the model of the relationships that so many of us grow up with. Like, oh, that's the regular way. Like, that's yeah. the passionate way. Or that's Absolutely. This, you know, it's like, it just, I love you so much. Why aren't you fighting for us? It's like, what if no one fights? Yeah. What if we just think about why we feel this way and have a reasonable conversation? Jesus. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> World peace. Hello. <laughs> no, you're supposed to not go to bed angry, fight all night long, explode, and then fuck. 
And then not sleep at all that night. And, a, and resolve nothing. And resolve nothing. <laughs> yeah. Just be mad. <laughs> How goddamn stressful. <laughs> I like your way. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my mom and my stepdad are yellers. They like, my mom will yell. Mom, when I was a kid, my mom, once she gets into it, it's like, there's not, we can't, we're not learning anything. Like now I'm just doing anything you want. Like I'm people pleasing so that you'll stop yelling at me because I just, it'll be my whole day. Like, mm-hmm. I can't go to sleep, or you'll wake me up early in the morning to yell at me. I just, I can't with this. Whereas, like, in my dad and my stepmom's house, my stepmom's like, we don't yell in this house. If you feel upset, you go think about it. And when you want to talk about it, we can talk. But you never raise your voice to me. And I was like, these are good rules. Like, I like this model of relationship where no one yells. And mm. that is my goal. It doesn't mean I haven't yelled. It doesn't mean, like, I never yell. But it it's something that I strive for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a good goal. Fucking A. (laughs) (laughs) Then is the reason that you paint animals because they're unconditional love and they won't ever try and hurt hurt you? I think like, so my painting comes from like two different places. The first place is like escapism. So like when I'm painting a cute animal, it's just fucking cute. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to mean anything. This uh, makes me bullshit, happy. Because now we know where <laughs> Christmas came from. So come on. <laughs> I mean, I definitely like, I have like a cute animal thing where I'm just like, I'm going to make this real cute and they're cute and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's like definitely when I'm going through like really, really hard stuff, I want to make cute animals. And then there's the part where I'm starting to dissect the hard things that have happened. And then I want to make art about that. And I want to make art that's about that feeling of a lot of times, a lot of my artwork deals with a dichotomy. So it deals with two opposing forces. So it deals with like death and rebirth, Um, you know, fire and flowers, like destruction and creation. I kind of deal with those concepts that oppose each other at all times because my belief about the world is that everything is in constant, both chaos and order at the same time. Like things happen, you get this chaos, but then because that chaos happened, like now new things can grow and new things can happen and your life has space for other things. Mm -hmm. So for example, I recently got fired from my job. Fuck that. <laughs> I got fired about like two and a half weeks ago at this point. And it was like really scary. I'm still scared, but I'm just like, well, this is a beautiful opportunity to see how many cute bunnies I can paint in a day. And, <laughs> you know, just kind of figure out what I do really want. Was that a place that was really serving me? Was I actually happy there? Not really. Was it reliable and safe? Yes. Do we sometimes choose to be in relationships or at places because you can rely on them even though you're not necessarily happy there? Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes uh, the destruction of something that was safe is a gift because now it has you have new space for new things. Oh, man. That's so good to hear. I, I stayed at high times way too long. It mm-hmm. was a difficult place for me, definitely at the end. And I was... So we decided to part ways amicably. Yeah. But I, I got, I was given a bit of a nudge and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say I was fired, but they definitely like, they could have handled it better. And um, it was, I remember I came out, I went over to your house, Mike, and yep. I like fell apart. Like yep. I had a full on meltdown and I think it might've been my first meltdown in front of you. Definitely not the last, but <laughs> it was uh, so freeing. Like the second that that had passed, I was like, oh God, 
I'm terrified, but there's possibility now. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And seeing you fly right now, I mean, you've got so much happening. You're making your art. You started a Patreon. I started a Patreon. If you guys want exclusive, adorable stickers, come hang out. You can vote on what the stickers are going to be. There's like behind the scenes content about like why I make the choices I make when I paint. And I'm showing a lot more of the process. I didn't realize this thing happens sometimes where I'm like, well, this is obvious. And I just like don't explain things. And then people are like, wait, why do you do this? But a lot of the things I do in my life are intentional. Like Mm -hmm. the clothes that I wear, like all the things that I do are really intentional. I think a lot about the things that I do probably because I have really high anxiety. Um, (laughs) But so like even with painting, like I do a lot of things in a certain way because that's what works for me. And that's why I do them that way. And I didn't realize like, oh, people might not understand why I'm doing this. And so part of the Patreon levels are just more explanations. It's so soothing too to watch you work. I watch your Instagram (laughs) all the time and to watch you, like how you apply the gold detail or, you know, like watching something come to life in the layers as you paint them. It's very soothing. Yeah, I really like it. There's something I think, um, I mean, this kind of comes back to what we talked about earlier of just they've done studies that when you are engaged in creating, when you're writing a song, when you're painting a painting, when you're whatever, um, your mind is so activated and present. It's a lot like meditation. So you get to the same place as meditation. Mm. Um, Same thing as like surfing. But part of it is that when you're in that meditative state, your mind is so present on everything that's happening that it does not have the space for pain cues. So it's it can actually physically be a relief from pain because your mind doesn't have the space to process pain while you're also doing these other tasks. I just had an image of you painting with one hand and holding your hand over an open flame <laughs> with the other. <laughs> And I have conquered fear. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Looking> amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's like really cool. And like, it, it's a great way to process your feelings because if you're painting something, like you can think about those feelings without feeling the pain of it. And so it's easier to dissect and process what's happening. Like, and then part of that too is something I witnessed. Like when I was a kid, um, when my stepdad and my mom would get in a fight, my mom would go to work. She works as a nurse. And so like her whole day is hectic. She does. She is constantly responding. She is constantly present. She is constantly serving other people's needs. She does not have the time to process her own feelings. When my stepdad and my mom would get in a fight and my stepdad would spend all day, he's a carpenter. So all day he's just like building stuff, just putting things together thinking about it, considering her perspective, considering how he may have acted. And so like when they come home, sometimes my mom would still want to fight and my stepdad would be like, let's talk about this. And that perspective, I was like, oh, because he had time to think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like art is like that for me where it's like, I just need to think about this a little bit in a way where I'm not going to feel all of that. I'm not going to feel like sad or upset or all those things. I'm just going to kind of be here and those thoughts are going to come and they're going to go. And so like, I find it very helpful. That's so cool. My dad was a fishery scientist and I feel like fish for him was his escape. Like the way that he could just go to the stream and observe trout for eight hours. That was... (laughs) That was his piece did as he, well. Did he actually like fly fish and stuff? Yeah, he was a. I have his uh, some his of his flies, flies oh, right of over course. there. Yeah, 
And uh, yeah, it was just like his his way of finding absolute peace. And then my mother, like he'd come home and my mom would still be lying on the floor screaming and he'd be like, hmm. Excuse me? Let me just step over you and make myself a cup of tea. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, like the more that I'm learning, I'm in therapy. It's great. It's going well. Um, But the more that I learn about sort of your parasympathetic nervous system and the way it reacts is that if you can stop the feeling, like if you can stop your body's physical reaction to like pain, sadness, anger, anxiety, all those things, if you can just stop that for a little bit and hang out, you're interrupting the pattern that creates the cascade of chaos. Like you can still feel sad, you can still be upset, but it's stopping that sort of like spiral to that place where you can't get out of it. Mm. And so things like meditation, fly fishing, all whatever works for you. Everyone, I think, needs a thing that works for them that does that. Yeah, so reasonable. I feel like this whole <laughs> episode is just about like finding space and peace and being a reasonable person. Yeah, what if we're just reasonable? What if it's like, yeah, people yeah. really fuck up. You're also making me think about how um, people who grow weed find peace in that, like just caretaking, like horticulturalists. Trimming? And, yeah. So right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful process. Mm-hmm. Is this why you also do skulls so much? I, skulls are... In, I actually collect skulls. Um, I have a whole skull collection. I briefly work for a taxidermist. How Victorian of you. It's very... <laughs> but I don't have human skulls. I have like... I have very spiritual feelings about skulls and bones especially because like where I grew up, I grew up in the country and so we would just find animal bones all the time. So like I found most of the skulls that I have and then all the exotic like fancy ones are ones that I got from working for this taxidermist. But can you give some examples of the skulls you have? Yeah. um, So I have a lot of raccoon skulls, um, like mostly raccoon. Honestly, I have a badger skull, um, deer, a lot of deer skulls. And then the exotic ones are, I have a lion, an African lion. I have a cougar. I have a bear. Whoa. I have a beaver. And I have a, what's it called? Warthog. Wow. This yeah. is so neat. Yeah. It's really sweet. Um, they're not all in LA with me. Some of them, I stayed at my parents' house because my apartment is small. But I do have the the uh, lion, the cougar, and the bear all hang out with me. Wow. So, and yeah. what do they mean to you? They're, they're the, the nugget that we carry our brains in? Uh, yeah. They're, it's the place, I think, where your spiritual, like the part of you that is you lives. Where like the part that sees and the part that is. So like I don't. I don't like painting my skulls. I don't like altering them. I don't like doing anything to them that takes away the rawness of their skull because I think when you look at a skull, you can tell a lot. Like you can see like this was an old animal. This was a young animal. This is a thing that happened to you. Like you can even see like scarring and bone stuff. And so it's like it's a way of sort of preserving the sacredness of that life that once existed. And I think it's really beautiful. And so I use them in my paintings a lot. But I also think that like when you know i love the idea that when we die we become part of the universe again i think that's really beautiful Mm. and i think that spiritually that's how i feel about it too is like you're upholding the memory of this thing that existed in an honorable way not in a way of like i'm going to like this is for me or about me it's just like this is the rawness of what this creature was Mm -hmm. i love that it's a memento mori right absolutely Yeah. yeah what's that um, can you say more about it? Because I just know oh, the yeah. term. Memento mori basically just means a reminder of death. And it was really popular in the like 
1600s 1500s like to to even now but the idea is that you paint skulls to remind you that life is impermanent so everything you're doing it's like yeah we're gonna die Mm -hmm. that's chill it's hamlet with the skull in the grave oh Mm -hmm. yes of course yorick yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i knew him a bit yeah yeah (laughs) i had like a whole thing when i was in high school where i like started having panic attacks it was when I was going through puberty which makes a lot of sense but I started having panic attacks all the time and I was fixated on my own death and so I was just like I couldn't sleep at night because when your heart slows down when you like calm down I was like oh it's gonna stop and I'm gonna die and so I just like didn't sleep for like three months wow (laughs) and had to go see a therapist and I was like I'm afraid of dying and he's like you will yeah. And then we just had to talk about it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. So matter of fact and practical and reasonable. Yeah. He was a really good therapist. He made me read because at the time my parents were very Catholic and he made me read like Buddhist stuff. And then it brought me into this whole thing of like, what's the right religion? Is there a right religion? Is there a belief system? You know, what do all belief systems have? What do they give to us that's good? And how do belief systems created by human beings, which are flawed, limit the kindness we can show to each other? And I think that religion sometimes does a really bad job of showing kindness because it creates division. Mm -hmm. So it's not for me, but I think there's some like cool stuff in it. I can't even imagine like, getting in a fight with you because i would i think i would get even more angry with you because you would be able to deconstruct everything in a way that i'm like yeah but that's not how the tools i have right like that's the thing i would say this is new for me this is i mean like this deconstructing thing i did not always have this ability like i have definitely been in relationships where i'm just yelling and crying and i can't even articulate how i'm feeling yeah and like being at that place is why I was like, this cannot continue. (laughs) This is bad. I don't like this. What if we did something else? But the hard thing when you're in those patterns is like, these are all the tools I got. These Mm -hmm. are all the tools my parents gave me. Like, how am I supposed to do better with these? I don't even know what that looks like. And a big thing of that for me is um, when I was, I had a really serious relationship when I lived in Milwaukee, which is where I lived before here. And it was like a five-year relationship. My partner at the time had a child. It was like very complicated. I was kind of a stepmom and we did not have good communication tools. Like he was avoidant and I have uh, abandonment issues. And so he, we would get in a fight. He would just go leave. I would be like, why is he doing this? Why doesn't he love me? What's happening? You know, I would, and then I would like people please. And we would never really solve the problem. And I went to live with my best friend and her husband And we lived in a two-bedroom apartment with collectively three to four dogs, depending on what dog she was fostering. And they have a really healthy relationship where they talk about things. And like my friend, if she was upset with me, she'd be like, Andrea, we need you to help clean more. And she was not mad. She would just be like, this is what I need from you. I'm expressing my needs. And it was so new to me to have someone express their needs to me and not have it be with anger and not have it be with judgment, just with, I'm telling you what I need from you. And it was like her house. So like, what am I going to do? Argue with her? What, what is she asking? It's very reasonable. Andrea, will you please vacuum? Like everything is super cool. And I was like, oh, 
I want relationships like this. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. People saying what they need and not lying to each other and yeah. like pretending that things are okay. I feel like yeah. that's a very, cause you were in the Midwest, right? I was in the Midwest and I still, I mean, I would say even like my last relationship, I people please too much. Like I would be like, it's fine when it was not fine. Right. And part of that is because I'm sort of just starting to learn now as a 33 year old adult, what my boundaries are, how to express my needs, and how to not take someone, like, not doing something personally. Would you say that that's a Midwestern quality? Because you're both from the Midwest, right? Like, that kind of, like, not, like, pretending that things are okay when they're not sort of thing? Or, yeah. like, a, well, I feel I like a human quality. I feel like, yeah, I would say human, but the way that, the media portrays like New York where yeah. you're just like, we're the best. That's my bagel. Get out of my way. I got things to do. Like, you but know, it is like that. And it is like it that. It really is like that. <laughs> That's my bagel. I just, oh, it's so good. And then in the Midwest, it's just like, uh, it's like slights and you just like, you take things to heart, but you never bring them up because it's more important to be liked than it is to say yeah. what you want. It's and a- I do think there is like a Midwestern, at least media portrayal of that, that I absolutely fell victim to for a very long time. Yeah. There's a Canadian sort of like, gotta, it's better, be, blech, better to be nice and to be polite than to be honest. This is what I think about the Midwest. This is my theory. I think that you, if you live in a place where it's really fucking cold and sometimes your car gets stuck and sometimes you can't get out of your driveway and sometimes you can't find stuff at the store, it's nice to be nice to your neighbors because they will help each other. Even if they think Sharon is kind of a bitch, Sharon, you know, you're still helping each other. Like you can think that. But just be nice enough that you can still get the help you need when something goes fucking crazy and someone will bring a pot roast when your husband dies and we'll all pretend it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Especially around death. Yes. For sure. Death is like a whole death in the Midwest is really bizarre because like it's like we rally. You make a pot roast. This is what I'm doing. I'm helping. But sometimes the ways I think that people help each other is more about themselves than about the person they're trying to help. Well, they want you to get over it so that they don't feel weird around you. Yeah, kind of. Right? Like, I don't want to bring it up, but also I feel like I'm compelled to bring it up. But if you can get over it, boy, oh boy, we never have to talk about that again. That would be great if we just never spoke. Yeah. Okay. Which is super fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. It's super fucked up. Because that pot roast is supposed to fix everything in... In like and in it, it in it's doesn't. exchange and it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, like even one thing about my mom and my stepdad, it's bad is that they don't have boundaries. There were not a lot of good boundaries in my house. I don't know what boundaries look like. My mom would like go through my stuff. Like we don't have boundaries. But one nice thing about that is that my mom always said exactly what she was thinking. She doesn't have a great filter. She can sometimes be inappropriate around other people. And part of that is just like, she's just looking for the laugh. But I think I have a little piece of that, of just like, these are all the things I've ever thought. What do you think? Uh (laughs) (laughs) I have a really hard time like lying and like pretending I'm fine with things that I'm like, even like that, the passive aggressiveness of being like, it's fine that you didn't do the dishes. 
I'm fooling no one. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> my partner knows. Like, that's bad, you know? So, I don't know. I think that quality is what makes you a fucking awesome podcast guest, though. Like, I think it's, you know... And podcaster. And podcaster, that's right. You have oh, a new yes. podcast. Uh, yeah, I have a new podcast. It's called Podvantgarde. That's P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. And it is about art history. And I'm really excited about it. It's with Katrina Davis. <laughs> And Jordan Lee Williams, and uh, both very funny, talented people. Jordan actually has an art history degree, so she's like the nerdier one of us. And I am someone who hated art history because I thought it was super boring and always about dudes. And so I, my perspective is kind of like, hey, did you guys know that Gauguin was a pedophile? Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about is like how these dudes who we revere and who are in museums kind of suck. And then we're going to talk about some other people that you might not know about, like Lisa Frank and their story. You know, people that we don't. She has a crazy story. Lisa Frank is insane. Yeah. Lisa Frank. <laughs> um grew up her she grew up in one of the top five percent like wealthiest counties in the united states in michigan she calls herself she says she's from detroit she is not she's from the rich part and she basically um started making bracelets like she used to what she used to do is she used to go to native american reservations and buy native american art and then like tell them what to make like i want you to make beaded bracelets that have teddy bears or unicorns or whatever and she's like and then i found that those ones sold the best and so she just started like making her own art essentially having other people make it but sell it and she kind of had a good business sense and so she started selling her artwork when she was really young and kind of like built this whole company And then her husband was this insane cocaine addict that totally destroyed her company by making really bad choices. And so what happened when people were like, what happened to Lisa Frank? That's what happened to Lisa Frank is he destroyed her business, destroyed a lot of her business relationships. And then she was just mired in lawsuits and divorce for several years. And now she's sort of making a comeback. Um... But she also has made some choices. Either she or other people representing her business have made some choices like stealing the idea for her hotel from a a woman named Studio Muchi on Instagram. Or sorry, her name is Amina. I think her last name is Mukiolo. But uh, she basically built this whole thing called Cloudland, which is this like beautiful rainbow like building that was her apartment. So she like did all this beautiful interior decorating. And the Lisa Frank Hotel, like Lisa Frank as a business, as an Instagram, followed her on Instagram, interacted with her on Instagram, clearly knew who she was. Their Lisa Frank Hotel like pop up is an exact replica of her home. Oh my God. It takes place in the building across the street. What? And this was like five years ago tops too. It was less than it was like three because it was I had already lived started living in L.A. when this happened. And they she started speaking up about it. She started saying like Lisa Frank Hotel stole my thing. But the Lisa Frank Hotel is in the sister building. So the owner who owns Amina's home owned the Lisa Frank Hotel and got her evicted, like ref- like would not accept her rent check and evicted her for speaking up because it was cutting into the profits that they were gaining from the hotel. Oh my God. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm going to say allegedly so you and I don't get sued, but right. that's what happened. And Whoa. so, 
yeah, it's she can't prove that like that's why she was evicted, but there's no reason for her to be evicted because she was up on her payments and it totally destroyed her mental health. She is a black queer autistic artist. So like this huge company that has billions of dollars is like picking on this artist when you could have just paid her, you could have just said like, we'll give you X amount of profits for using your design. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can just pay artists. You don't have to steal from them and destroy their lives. Podvant guard, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I wait. That was like the best fucking trailer for your podcast. That's episode one, baby. What's Dude. up? What? Really excited. So excited to tune in. Yeah, and we're gonna do a crossover episode with Cult Podcast, which is the podcast I used to be on about um, Frank Lloyd Wright's cult. So come hang out. Very, very excited. <laughs> I'm for really this. excited. What yeah. about the other plugs? Instagram, Patreon, everything Instagram. you're excited about. Oh my god, uh, my Instagram is at Andrea Gazetta. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-G-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. Super Italian. And then my Patreon is just patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta. If you want like cool stickers behind the scenes, I'm going to have wallpapers. Um, I think I, I just did a joint uh, drawing painting for a friend. And oh yeah, that was a great commission. I just saw it on yeah, your... Yeah, so excited. Yeah, I did a commission and it's really cute. It's a joint and then there's like this like rainbow like smoke. So instead of smoke, it's a rainbow and then it's like a super cute like sunset background. It's really cheery and fun. It's like if Lisa Frank got high, basically. Yes. <laughs> Which she says she never did. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Whatever. Are you going to have merch? Yeah, so I'm going to do... I was thinking of doing like rolling trays for that and I'm just going to try to figure out how to get those done. So yeah, I'm going to make some cool stuff. Heck yeah. And with the holidays right now, right here, and spooky season upon us. Yeah. And uh, uh, in the show description will be all of this as well. So it's just a click away for everyone listening. Super fun. So excited. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Oh my God. Thank you guys for having me. This has been so fun. This has been great. Follow us at Nope. Uh, on Instagram <laughs> at Weedengrub. The, the dot comes for our email, which is wg at Weedengrub.com. Mm-hmm. We also have a Patreon. We do. And uh, thank you. What's on your Patreon? Is it cool shit? We have, uh, we're dropping Splainer episodes right now. So every week we're doing a deep dive into a single topic. Like what's up with distillate or what the fuck is Delta 8 or, you know. I'm going to learn so much about drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. It's cool. We try and we try and be funny and also educational. Or yeah. Mary Jane is educational and I say stuff like, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah. And you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.